All right. So, hello, y'all. My name is Robert Green. It's my lovely wife, Linda Sue. Um, we've been married 37 years. So, just out of curiosity, who in here has been married 37 years or more? Okay. So, we don't, we're not the oldest, but we're dang close to the oldest. Okay. Um, so, we're starting a new group tonight. So, this is, we'll be leading the, our week one for our group. So, um, so for every, everybody that's going to be in our group, you'll hear this talk tonight, there's still time to get out. <laughs> so when you hear this, you might say, this, this couple's probably not for us, so you, you still got a chance. So um, we're, just, we're empty nesters. We've got two boys. Um, I think there's a, a picture Dave will throw up there. It's, it's, we got, just got finished uh, flying a couple of hawks outside of Castle in Ireland. Our, we've got two boys. And, you know, they're in their 30s now, uh, one married, one engaged, and uh, they were in Ireland for a week. And we got to, you know, kind of spend a little time with them. It was awesome. Yeah. So we got married on St. Patrick's Day in 1984. And one of my favorite things about getting married on that day is a change in the last name to Green. <laughs> so in that picture... Um, if, if any of y'all have ever heard of the, the TV show Seinfeld, there's a guy named George Costanza who had a hairline like mine now, and he famously said that, that these are the remnants of a once proud civilization. So uh, that is the same guy uh, that, you're, that you're seeing uh, right now. So in that picture, I'm smiling big. And why am I smiling big? Because like any guy, I know the honeymoon is coming. And uh, I am excited about the honeymoon. But the start of my married sex life was immediately going to hit a speed bump. <laughs> yeah, so when we got to Maui, we headed to the pool, and I put oil on like I'd done all my life. I'm from Miami, so I'm a beach girl. So, But evidently, the sun is quite different in Maui. So what would have normally turned into a good tan turned into a major, major sunburn. Yeah, she kind of looked like this, this picture. Um, <laughs> I had to rub aloe vera like all over her body, but I couldn't touch her, if, if you know what I mean. Like, it kind of had to, so, I mean, after the fever broke, we had a great time, but uh, it, was, it was a struggle for a while. So, our only claims of fame, I mean, I'm a fighting Texas Aggie class of 1982. Um, oh, well, there you go. Um, now, Linda, she, for four years, she held the, the career free throw percentage record at the University of Louisiana in Monroe. So she is a minor celebrity. Um, so it's really been our privilege to work with a lot of couples here at Watermark. And just over time, we've just seen this trend towards couples that are really struggling with um, physical intimacy. Um, so we know this can be an area of, of significant pain. And tonight, we just want you to know that you can find healing uh, in that. And so for the first part of our talk, we want to talk to you about one very specific you know, scenario uh, that is encountered by many couples that we ourselves encountered. And this is where one spouse has a higher sex drive than the other. Yeah, so we'll start first by sharing our own story in this area and then share some things that have helped us. So I grew up in a Christian home and um, came to a saving faith in Jesus at, at the age of nine. My parents modeled love and affection towards each other and taught me kind of that sex was God's gift and his design for couples to enjoy in marriage. You know, I never got the official sex talk, but in their defense, they probably felt like I probably learned all I needed to when I walked in on them at the age of six. So that was about all I ever got right there. <laughs> 
So although I belonged to Jesus, I had a rebellious heart, and I spent the first 22 years of my life pursuing the things of this world, especially in my college years, where my poor choices led to many inappropriate relationships and a lot of heartache, guilt, and shame. But God, in his sweet mercy, pursued me through it all and turned my rebellious heart back to him. He put a new desire in my heart to walk in his ways. And um, God has declared me blameless because of Christ's blood shed for me on the cross that covers my sin. And although through the years I've battled um, guilt and shame, I'm able to fight that battle with the truth that I am forgiven and a precious daughter of the King who delights in me and loves me with unfailing love. And by his grace, I was able to go into marriage experiencing freedom in the area of sex. So I just want to encourage you that we have a God who rescues, redeems, heals, and restores. And he was able to do so much more than I could ever imagine or hope, and I know he can do the same for you. Yeah, so I also placed my faith in Jesus at an early age. I remained a virgin until we married. Um, I had plenty of sexual promiscuity, especially in high school. And I learned primarily about sex from the culture. In my church, we were kind of taught to stay away from sex. You know, nothing good can happen, you know, until you get married. So as a firstborn, I complied with that. Um, but it was a daily struggle against my hormones, often resulted in, in masturbation. And I couldn't wait to have legal sex. Um, I wasn't really looking to get married until Linda and I met in 1982. A lot of y'all weren't even born then. So after she beat me, after she beat me in a free throw shooting contest, I knew that she was the one for me. And we married 18 months after we first met. So this kicked off phase one in our sex drive story. So to be honest with you, um, this talk kind of started uh, at a restaurant. We just started drawing on a napkin and we started mapping out a picture of our journey. And that's what you're going to see on this kind of goofy chart. We know it's a little <laughs> corny, but it'll also help convey uh, the story. Okay, so the pink line depicts my sex drive and the blue, Robert. So during phase one, we basically had a robust sex life where our desires were in sync. In sync. And as young marrieds, we were in a church where um, sex was never really talked about. So our own experiences were our guide, and we were really having fun. We didn't really realize that this was an area where couples could struggled. But then, in 2008, we entered phase two. This is when menopause hit, and I was not sure what was going on. I couldn't sleep, think, I had no energy, and my sex drive completely disappeared. I didn't know how to handle it. I, I, I didn't want to talk to Robert about it because I didn't want to hurt him. So I just tried to avoid situations that might trigger his desire, you know, like getting undressed in front of him. <laughs> Doesn't take much, you know. <laughs> so, so I started working with my doctor, trying different natural remedies, but nothing seemed to be helping. And then it felt like everything around me came crashing down when my dad died suddenly. So I was very close to my dad, his only daughter. We had shared the same birthday. And I found myself overwhelmed with grief while dealing with the menopause stuff. Yeah. So during this time, Linda was sometimes avoiding me, you know, and she felt bad, you know, about that. And I didn't really know why. And she didn't know either. 
we were not quite sure what to do. So the first thing I did is I just started adjusting my expectations, you know, around frequency. I knew she was frustrated, you know, and, and uh, grieving the loss, you know, of her dad. And I would really just hope, you know, she would snap out of it. So also during this time, I hit 50 um, on the age scale and started seeing the effects of midlife. So there was also, you know, decrease in my sex drive. So in some respects, that was a blessing because it just kind of changed my, um, you know, need, I guess, and lowered my expectations regarding frequency. But I mean, during, during that phase, that big drop, it's not like we were in a desert. I mean, there were plenty times of passion, just not the frequency that we once enjoyed. You know, for example, on our 25th anniversary, we had a really fun time in car number 23 on the mile-long Whistler gondola. <laughs> Never, never, never thought we'd be showing that picture up in front of all these people. <laughs> but at least we showed some restraint and we skipped car number 22, which was the glass bottom car. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a mile long. If you've never heard of Whistler to Blackcomb, you know, God knows. So uh, we gave this talk one time. A guy comes up afterwards and said, I, I got to know, how, how long was the ride? <laughs> and uh, it's 11 minutes. So I told him we still had plenty of time for sightseeing. You know, we didn't, we didn't miss anything. <laughs> okay, so a couple of things happened in 2010 that led us to phase three. So first I decided to try hormone replacement therapy. After trying a few options, I found a combination that did wonders for my energy and sex drive. You can see from the chart <laughs> that every time I receive a treatment, which is a few times a year, it has an immediate impact on my sex drive. And then second, and very important, was I attended a Bible study program here um, that taught me how to memorize scripture and meditate on God's word and journal and pray, which really helped me grow in my dependence on the Lord. And that was critical for me because when our sex, sex drives slip, there were occasions when I didn't feel like I was desirable and Robert was not desiring me. And so these thoughts would get in my head and I would believe lies and have um, body image issues and feel like I wasn't and start to question myself. You know, but because of my time in God's word, I was able, had the tools to fight those lies and to, and to know what truth was and was reminded of what God tells me, that what's true, that I'm made in his image and I am precious to him. And then it also helped me to believe the best about Robert. Yeah. So, I mean, today I can tell you with all honesty, our sex life is as good as ever, if not better. Um, I mean, there are times where we're not as in sync as we, as we were, you know, uh, 20 years ago. But because we've each had seasons where one of us has been on the high side and one of us has been on the low side, um, we can kind of better understand each other, you know, and just have more compassion for each other. So um, as we reflected on it, there, there are four takeaways that we had um, after we kind of thought back on that season and four things that we just want to leave you guys with. These would have been helpful to us uh, had we recognized it at the time and some of these things that we did. Um, but we have shared these with others and we've seen these be helpful. Um, we think these four things apply whether you're 27, 47, or 67. We think that these, these things are helpful. So we're going to share with you these four things. One, the first one is to communicate. Um, you know, we had to learn how to talk about this. And, and so must you. And man, I, I totally get the challenge of talking about uh, this topic. It can be awkward for many of us. 
but it is really, really important. If you personally, personally are struggling in the area of um, you know, physical intimacy, you need to tell your spouse, even if you don't know what's happening. Um, and that was often our case. And it would be helpful to let your spouse uh, into your struggle. And, and honestly, by not discussing it, um, you leave the door open for misunderstanding and you're actually denying your spouse the opportunity to love you if you keep it to yourself. You know, Galatians 6.2 is one that we quote a lot, which just says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So a lot of times, because of my insecurities, when Robert would want to talk about this topic, I would take things personally. And so I had to learn that um, when he would come to me and want to talk about it, um, I had to learn to listen compassionately and with an open mind. So learning to hear their point of view. And when I did that, it would surprise both of us how often we would be reluctant to talk about this topic, yet we were both thinking the same thing. Um, and each time we talked about sex, it became an easier to discuss it the next time. We also learned that as awkward as it is, still is kind of awkward. It's important to communicate what you like sexually. It was hard for me to share what I like because I felt like I was being selfish, but Robert helped me understand that I wasn't, that it was important to him to please me and in a marriage where both spouses are focused on serving each other. This is actually a way to um, love each other. Yeah, that's good. Um, so point number two is don't pressure. So this is primarily for the spouse that has the higher sex drive and wants, you know, more frequency. You know, when Linda hit menopause and her desire changed dramatically, you know, I quickly learned that pressuring her for sex was not a good idea. <laughs> I mean, I tried to ask nicely. You know, I'd come home from work. I'd say, hey, feeling frisky today? Um, that would often make her feel, uh, you know, guilty, and the evening would typically crater. So, and another tip, you know, if she's grieving the loss of her dad and maybe she's crying and you're trying to, you know, comfort her, a pro tip is don't try to turn that into a sexual encounter, okay? That does not go well for you either. So, if you look at, if you look at Paul's words in Philippians 2, this is what we as Christ followers are supposed to be about says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, looking not only to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So, um, one of the big takeaways tonight is that we are called to mutually serve one another. And pressuring your spouse to meet your needs is not serving them. So, we found that a better way is just to go back to number one and discuss this in a way that, that honors your spouse. So there were times when I would find myself frustrated and I learned that when um, expressing those frustrations to God, asking him to change my heart, allowed him to work in me and it made a big difference. I found that my focus would change away from my selfishness and my needs. So one of the things that helped me a lot was trying to see the situation through Robert's eyes. So think for a moment about what you would do if your sex drives flipped. If you became the one on the low side, would you be encouraged if your spouse related to you the way that you are relating to them now? And if not, what can you do to change that? Yeah, that's good. And number three is don't withhold. So this is primarily for the spouse with the lower sex drive. So the one with the lower sex drive that is the spouse that's in the position of power, right? They're controlling the frequency um, that, that you guys are being intimate. 
So when my desire is lower, um, I, how am I supposed to act? You know, as a Christ follower, how am I supposed to act to those that I am in a position, uh, you know, of control over? And look at, look at Mark 10. This is what Jesus said. Um, he says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. But not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. So I am to serve. Okay, and that includes my spouse. Remember, your spouse does not have another sexual outlet. You are it. So, um, you know, some, some of us just don't understand how much um, of a physical need sex is for their spouse. I mean, the Apostle Paul certainly understood it because um, in 1 Corinthians, he, this is how he counseled couples in Corinth. He said the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband and, her, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. So do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterwards, you should come together again so Satan won't be able to tempt you because your lack of self-control. That's a heavy, heavy command. So, so when we marry, we give our bodies as a gift to our spouse. And it's really important that we don't take that gift back, even when the demands of life get hard. You know, you might be worn out from a day at work or caring for elderly parents, which is a stage that we just went through. And then um, I would find myself exhausted from nursing or caring for the toddlers or crazy teenage years. And then the craziness of menopause. And so sex would be the last thing on my mind, but I realized that that's really where sex starts. Um, scripture has really helped me to change my thinking. When negative thoughts would come into my mind, I would try to apply 2 Corinthians 10:5. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So as I learned to surrender that thought to God, he replaced it with a desire to serve my spouse. I had to choose to change my attitude and give unselfishly and allow God to work in that change. Um, that way I was able to focus on ways to make sex work. And sometimes it meant that we had to get creative. Um, so for example, like there were times when we and we still do, schedule a time for sex. You can't just expect it to happen sometime. Quickies work great. We found that that was a good thing. And sometimes when intercourse is not an option, you know, there's plenty of other ways to pleasure your spouse. Lots of ways. And if you can't think of any, your re-engaged leader would be glad to share with you <laughs> uh, tonight, you know, some options for you. So... <laughs> Um, so the fourth option, number, number four, last point, and then we're going to land the plane, um, and that's to share. Okay, look, if you are struggling, it's wise to bring others into the conversation. Now, you know, the first point was talk to your spouse about it. That was probably crazy. Now you're saying talk to other people about it. Um, I get how hard that can be. Um, I mean, here at Watermark, what we would say, you know, our small groups, the way that we operate is, I would say, the guys you know, go share with the guys, gals, you know, you share with the gals. Let them be the ones to help you think through what are good next steps, you know, to take. Your re-engage group might be a great place for you to start. Grab your leaders, just say, hey, we need to start having a conversation about that. Can you help us? 
Um, Proverbs 15:22 says, "Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed." Um, it's going to be helpful to have others around you because this can be a really complicated topic. So our sexual desire can be affected um, in many ways. Sometimes there's physical pain um, and um, in sex, and then that has to be shared with a doctor. And then there's other issues, medical issues that. Um, that you might need to talk with a medical expert about. And for me, hormone replacement therapy obviously made a big difference, but that's not always gonna be the case for everybody. So the other thing that I found is that it, it could be something spiritual. Our spiritual life is so closely tied to our sex life. The question is to ask is, are you trusting the Lord with everything, including your sex life? And so as you share this struggle with your group, ask them if they see any areas in your life where you could be struggling to submit and trust the Lord. Um, and if sexual abuse is a part of your story, there are ministries that can help and we just beg you not to suffer in silence and to get help and we can help you with that and leaders here can help you with that. And if you are involved in porn, we are begging you to seek help because it has such an impact um, on your um, intimacy. Yeah. So just to summarize, uh, communicate, don't pressure, don't withhold, and share. And because we don't like too many don'ts in life, we would combine those two in the middle and just say serve. So communicate, serve, uh, serve each other, and share. So we want to be crystal clear about that middle point. You should leave here with a desire to better serve your spouse in the area of physical intimacy. You know, guys, if all you heard tonight is that your wife should not withhold sex, <laughs> you've missed the point. Um, gals, if, if all you heard tonight is that your husband's, husband should stop pressuring you for sex, you have missed the point. Um, you must talk about this and come to a place where you are serving each other. So please understand if you make changes based on what you heard tonight and things don't immediately improve, like don't be discouraged. This may take some time. Um, that's why you need friends around you. That last step of sharing is going to help to have somebody to encourage you in this journey. So, and y'all, God wants us to enjoy this gift that He's given us. He wrote a whole book of the Bible, you know, Song of Solomon, about it. This is a gift from Him. <clears throat> So um, you can visit the Reengage website to find some really helpful resources, marriagehelp.org/sexualintimacy. One of the resources mentioned there um, on the side is a book called Intimate Issues by Linda Dillo and Elaine Pentis. It's a handbook to help you transform your sexual attitudes and enhance your sexual relationship. I've led a group of women through it, and, and I highly recommend it. It's my top recommend for women. So we recognize in a crowd of this size, you know, there's bound to be some couples just struggling, you know, in your relationship, not even physically, just struggling in your relationship. And, you know, perhaps specifically in the area of sex, um, the thought of physical intimacy might be a long way away. We, we get that. So don't feel any pressure to leave here tonight and act like you've got it all together. You know, we just encourage you to start talking about it. So if you like any help navigating that, you know, all kidding aside, your, your uh, leaders would love to help you with that. So thank you all for letting us share tonight.